Previously on The Tony Kornheiser Show. I could see what would actually be the rings around Saturn. For me, they were just, they just added volume to the star. Or to the, well, it's not a star, it's a planet. Um, they just added volume to it and weight to it. In other words, I could see more of it. And I'd like to know if that's true. I'm sure a lot of people out there are astronomers or just regular smart people and know this to be true. That's what I thought I saw in the sky What today. are the chances it was Uranus? Um, <laughs> chances are good. <laughs> the Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. All righty. Um, I apparently got that wrong. I've learned in a lot of email that it was not Saturn with rings on it that I saw, but I'll get to that later in the show. Michael is not here today. Uh, he's got stuff to do, so I'm sort of flying solo today. And a lot of stuff has happened. A lot of stuff has happened. So I need, I'm going to need Nigel and Sean to join in on this. Um, let me just let me read this first. Because I told you a, a week ago how thrilled I was to get that pen box oh, from right, Jeannie. Yeah. And I thought it was Jeannie Chernelsky, but it's Jeannie Chernetsky because she sent this email. Thank you so much for mentioning us on your show. And that is, it's um, Mikitowski Woodworking. Uh, so in, it's in, in uh, Wisconsin. I th- Menominee, Wisconsin, is that what it is, I think? I'm not sure. I uh, believe it doesn't, so, yes. it, it's, it's, it's Mikitowski, M-I-K-U-T-O-W-S-K-I, Mikitowski Woodworking. Thank you so much for mentioning us on the show. And, and she wrote that all in caps, and she said, yes, that deserves all caps. I just wanted to reach out and let you know at least six of your listeners personally reached out to tell me that they ordered a product from us because they heard you mention it on your podcast. However, we know probably more customers found us because of your shout-out. You have no idea what that means to us. Our business consists of mostly wholesale galleries across the United States clients, wholesale clients. With the shutdowns this year and the unknowns of what people will be buying, our wholesalers have bought extremely conservatively, as they should. That, of course, has been devastating to our business, and most of our family, the employees, have been laid off since April. We launched a new website in October and have been slowly gaining traction. I don't know if it is the time of year you mentioned, or maybe some of both, but our sales have been increasing slowly since our debut on your show. I can't thank you enough. It means the world to us. We know we have awesome products, but with a basically a small marketing budget and specialized products it's challenging to compete with the big billion dollar companies and get our stuff out there to the world we and i mean all of us truly put our hearts out um, and souls into every piece we make and we want each of those items to be special for the person receiving it you've lifted our spirits that's really nice and she cites rambling over thank you and that's really nice and that's sort of what you hope for and i mean it's not what you hope for. i'm not trying to get them business i'm just trying to say how nice the product was, and, and you all who listen to the show can decide, but it's, it's really quite nice. There's some things we should get to um, beyond that. Beyond, There's a death, uh, John le Carré. Uh, John le Carré was oh, yes. a great, great, great novelist. That is not his given name, John le Carré. That's the name that he took because he, he was not allowed by the, the equivalent of the Secret Service in Britain to write about spy stuff since he used to be in the spy business. And his real name is David Cornwell. Um, but he died at 89, and he wrote his most famous work, I guess, is Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. He wrote fantastically detailed, and, and I would describe them as down the rabbit hole spy pieces. Yes. And you really had to take notes if you read them. You, you really, because 
there'll be a, a sentence here or a sentence there on page 18 and then on page 211 <laughs> that's the key to everything and you go whoa i i i didn't yeah. take the a proper amount of notes i always felt genie uh, and i were texting about this this morning that he was on a one at the washington post and deservedly so but not any more deservedly than chuck yeager in fact not as deservedly as chuck yeager who was not on a one at the washington post last week but the movies that were made of his work are even more obtuse than his work. And it's there. The movies are difficult to follow. Nigel, have you seen those? There's like four or five of them and they're all interesting and they're all good, but you scratch your head. You don't really know what happened. You don't know. Oh, it's this guy. Who's the mole. Why? Well, I, right. I didn't know. And right. there was a clue or two, but it, you know, it's, it's just hard. And sometimes I felt that directors or screenwriters would sort of, you'd have to have this one very, very important clue and maybe a, a director would leave it out, just put it on the cutting room floor and then screening the movie said, oh, I forgot. Oh, nobody will understand. But he was a great writer. Absolutely, Absolutely great writer in a, in a very um, small genre that's very popular, the, the spy novel. Very, very great. John Le Carre at 89 years old. Is that sort um, of a lost art because, the, you know, the end of the Cold I War? It, I mean, I, I, I know guess. people are still writing those things, but... It really harkens back to that era. And, and yeah, Tinker Taylor, Soldier Spy, it was just, I mean, that's just fantastic. I, who, which is apparently based on Kim Philby, uh, yes. who was a double agent for the Soviet Union, apparently based on that. Yeah. Just read the obituaries. Um, he was a great writer. It, yes, I mean, there are, you have to be over 50 years old to have any sense whatsoever that there were these spies going back and forth and how it worked right. in the Cold War. I mean, it, it's, you do. And so that's pro you're probably right about that. Probably right. But worth, worth reading. Worth oh, reading. Did you say something? Oh, I, I said, lost yeah, absolutely. You. Absolutely. I just lost you. Sean, we lost him. He just popped out. of. <laughs> he just popped out. All right. So two other things. One is I walked the dog this morning. And as I get back into my yard, I undo the dog's leash so the dog can run around in the yard a little bit. And this is about 6.30 in the morning. And the dog takes off, as she often does. And rarely does she get something. But when she gets something, it is almost always a rabbit. And it's a pretty clean, quick item for her. Because rabbits are not fighters. And that's just the way it is. Today, something started running across the backyard. It is pitch dark. And it is raining here in Washington, so you can't see anything. But I heard this. Something jumped for the fence and didn't get all the way over, and Chessie dragged this thing back down, and there was a skirmish. There was a fight. There was high-pitched sounds, and I went, oh, my God. Ultimately, Chessie prevailed, as I think she would, but it was a baby raccoon. I don't know if it's a baby raccoon, but it was a small raccoon. And I don't want her fighting raccoons because no. raccoons, full grown raccoons, they'll rip your lungs out, Jim. <laughs> They're not they'll rip afraid, your lungs yeah. out. So she got this. So then I have to try to get her back into the house as she parades this thing all over the yard. And it's so dark. I can't see. I'm out with a flashlight when she comes near the house and it's not in her mouth. I've got to try to find it. And because of the rain, I slipped twice on my behind you know, in the, in the yard and all of that. And I finally found it. I put it in a plastic bag, tied it up and put it into the garbage wearing plastic gloves. So I hope everything was safe. But there was blood on Chessie. 
blood on Chessie's neck and blood on Chessie's face and blood on Chessie's paws. And so I wondered if it was her blood. I cleaned it off. I didn't see any cuts. I suspect it was not her blood, but she's still got to go to the vet. And so this, yes. this is anxiety provoking. This is anxiety provoking in the house for me anyway, because I don't know what this is. I really don't. Carol was down here before, but was clearly afraid that I would ask her to be on the show. So she left. So <laughs> I have no idea where she is and no idea where the dog is. The dog is waiting for Michael, who is not showing up today. A second thing that I wanted to talk about, there was other things I wanted to talk about, but I'll hold those for Wednesday when Michael is back. Um, a second thing, and I think this is news. I thought it was news when the Washington Redskins changed their name. Uh, I thought it was a big deal story. And I think the Cleveland Indians changing their name as they have announced they're going to do is a big deal story. A couple of years ago, they got rid of that Chief Wahoo, who was, to be fair, a caricature and, you know, a big toothy representation uh, and not not like and I'm using the word Redskins very deliberately here. And I understand why that name had to be changed. And I said so for 35 years. So I don't have to really think I have to go through my bona fides on that. But the Chief Wahoo thing, that on the side of the Washington helmet was at least something that was a proud and noble representation of a group of people. Chief Wahoo, right, Nigel, was never that. Chief Wahoo no. was foolishness, was yeah. foolishness. So they got rid of that, and now they are changing the name of Indians. And I don't know what they're going to change it to, and I don't know when they're going to do it, but I suspect it's going to be very quick. And I suspect this has something to do with the movements that are so pronounced now for equality under the law and social justice. And I'm, I'm good with this, although I don't think Indians is nearly the slur that Redskins is. Um, but I'm not Native American, so I can't really speak to it with any authority. The story that I read indicated a lot of Native American groups don't like it at all. So fine, change it. What this brings me to also is Chiefs and Braves. Yes. Like I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how they are regarded. It would seem to me, from my standpoint, which is not of a Native American, it would seem to me that they are honoring chiefs and braves. But I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they've got to go too. And I welcome emails on this. I certainly do. Because I'm, I'm in the position now, as so many people are in the same position, of wishing to learn, of wishing to be told in fact, if what we assumed over all these years is wrong or right, and most of the time it's been wrong, but people talk about these hard conversations. I'm not talking about a conversation. I'm talking about just teach me. Just let me know. You know, what, what is the majority opinion of those people directly affected who carry much, right? They carry much more weight than people who are not Native American. They do. Right. right. It's, it's them. So, um, so. Uh, maybe people will email. Your thoughts on this? I had always sort of thought that Braves and Chiefs were okay, but if you tell me they're not, I'm 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 okay to stand up and say get rid of them. Yeah, I no. think. I mean, it's 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 interesting because you know we grew up. I certainly grew up with all this stuff, and you're like, oh, this is just yep. how it is. And then you yep. find out, oh, this has really been offending lots of people. Um, yep. and and I gather that there are people out there that say the Braves and the Chiefs have to change the name. I know the Blackhawks are also somebody that people have looked at and said, well, do we need to change that name as well? But that's an actual um, tribe. That's an actual tribe. tribe. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But I think I think there's certain people who say, yeah, well, we just don't want you to no. appro appropriate yeah. rate that for, for whatever reason. Sure. Um, and uh, I, 
I know that they've said in Kansas City that they, they said, look, you can't come in wearing a headdress or like makeup like your actual, you know, a native Indian, a Native American. Um, yeah. But I would think that the tide has really shifted on this. I would not be surprised Me too. if the Chiefs and the Braves, you know, in, maybe not this year, maybe not next year, but, may, you know, I could see that happening now. Whereas, you know, a year ago, I wouldn't even thought that, that the Washington football team would ever change its name. And now, Well, now they did, and they did the right thing by doing it, they and did. they should just they keep with did. the Washington football team. But the Tomahawk chop is awful. That's yes. just awful. Yes, and you now know, it's down in that, Atlanta. Yeah, that's got to go. That's right. Go. That, but then, and that brings me to another thing, the Florida State Seminoles. That's named after a specific tribe. I think they have the right to say whether or not they are honored by it or not and whether or not it has to go. That's well, the they... Florida State University. That's not some private college. Right, That's the right. Florida State University. I mean, they've got to be more responsive th than, than others, I would think. Well, I think... Be. I, I, I don't, I don't know the exact details of this, but I remember I remember looking into this when there was lots of conversation about the Washington name, you know, years and years ago. Yeah. Um, and I believe that the, the Florida State has some sort of agreement with the tribe itself. And so they're OK they, with so, it. And they're OK with it. I, you know, I think okay. I think money changed hands or something like that. But they they have some sort of deal with the tribal people who said, no, we're OK with this. So there's another one. Utah for years were the running Utes. U-T-E-S, and that was the name of a tribe there. Um, so I don't, I, I do think they should have the say. I don't expect it to be unanimous. I wouldn't think so. I would think some people, I mean, you, there's, these things are not monoliths. You know, no. you, you have to account for a variety of opinions, even with a, within a group that is specifically affected by it. Anyway, that's, that's the world in which we live. I'm glad, in, I, I'm glad Indians is changing. I'm wondering about the others. So we'll take a break. When we come back, Michael Wilbon will join. Yes, Michael, about that. We'll ask him about that, um, among other things. And um, yeah. Also ask him about the Bears. The Bears. Oh, the Bears won big. He hates, the, he hates the coach, though. It doesn't matter. All right. Uh, Wilbon, when we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Hey, everyone, this new world we're living in has me and my family talking a lot more. I mean, I would talk with Michael today, but he's not here. I would talk with Carol, but she's boycotting. I mean, we're talking about everything from how much greater was the greatest of all time than today's greatest to make how to make sourdough bread, with, which both Michael and Elizabeth do, can do, do well, to how excited we are that football is finally back. Football has been a godsend for me. I can't keep watching my dog run circles in the backyard and call that a spectator sport, but early this morning... <laughs> Watching her parade, that dead thing in her mouth was yeah. a frightening spectator sport. But despite how talkative we all are, the people at Lincoln Financial want to point out the one conversation that most people still haven't had, your financial plans. So do find time to talk to your loved ones about it, because the more we talk, the better we plan, protect, and retire. That's why Lincoln Financial is here to help you. Get the right questions to start your conversation at LincolnFinancial.com. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is sent in by Don Stewart. The name of the song is Volcano, and he says, I wrote it because my son Travis Stewart is graduating from film school at North Carolina School of the Arts this spring, and he may end up working in Los Angeles if he's lucky enough to get a job. He wants to be a director. I've gotten addicted to watching disaster movies that you can buy on the internet. I watch them on my iPad in bed at night trying to go to sleep while my wife has her iPad watching the Antique Roadshow. A lot of these disaster movies seem to take place in California, involve lots of volcanoes and earthquakes and lava. I've watched them so many times that I'm starting to worry about Travis living there. That's why I wrote this song. 
Very, very nice. Says, I know you like to wait until the singing starts before you start talking to your guests, but you may not want to wait because there's this big buildup before I start singing. Sort of like a volcano. Thank you to Don Stewart on that. Michael Wilbon is being played in by Volcano, and there's a lot of things to talk about. Things close, near and dear to Wilbon's heart, like Northwestern and the Bears. But before we get to those, the news today, I want to talk to you about it too. The news today that the Cleveland Indians are going to get rid of the name Indians. Um, that's closer to you physically than it was to me growing up. Ohio's closer to Chicago than to New York. And all your life and all my life, we have talked about the Cleveland Indians. Uh, yeah. What are your thoughts? Um, I was surprised to see that late last night, Tony, but, but not shocked because the, the Cleveland baseball franchise – uh, people who represent the franchise had said when this was all going on with the Washington football team that they were considering it, and they just they, it was a, it's a totally different approach uh, to community, to public relations, to sensitivity, um, and it, it it was like well, I remember when I first heard it, they just it was so different because you know the Reds, the Washington football team had to be sort of forced. To do this, 100%. And the Cleveland baseball team did not. The Cleveland baseball team just said, "You know what? We we're, we're going to consider changing this." And it was like, "Wow!" I, and, I, and quite frankly, Tony, I had forgotten about it. It just wasn't, you know, front and center until again until last night when I when I when I saw that story. So what I said earlier on the show is, I certainly understand that the name Redskins is indefensible. Chief Wahoo is indefensible, but the name Indians I wasn't sure was indefensible, but I'm, I'm good with this change. But it leads me to Braves and Chiefs. And I wonder, I mean, it's, you know, it's what I said was it's not necessarily for me to make this judgment because I'm not Native American. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. But I always thought that Braves and Chiefs, take the tomahawk chop out of it, which is awful, but I always thought that Braves and Chiefs was sort of an honor, and I wonder how you feel about that, and I wonder if you think those will be changed as well. Because I don't I know. Yeah, I just listen. I just listen. I listen to what people have to say, to what Native American leaders, groups, people have to say. I don't. I don't think. I don't decide. Oh, here's how I feel. I don't. Yeah. I listen. That's it. I mean, I, it's, it's that simple for me. What 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 do they say? Offends them, or doesn't offend them, or honors them, or doesn't honor them. And so I don't know where I don't know where I don't know where Braves and Chiefs go. I've heard. I mean, you know, covering this, writing about this um, for years. Um, I'd hear different opinions, very differing opinions about it. So I don't know how that's gonna how, how that's gonna work out, and if if if, if those teams feel any sort of pressure um, inside or outside of their organizations to change. So closer to home for you, your home state, the the Illini is that that is an, an Indian tribe, right? That yes, is a, an is. Indian tribe. Is there any yes. pressure on the University of Illinois I, to change? I've, I have not known of that. That's, Nor have I. Have I. Not known of it. Tony, it's closer to all the Chicago Blackhawks, which a, goes a through, tribe. Which right? There's a, there's a, there's a well, there is. No? But it wasn't named after that, that. I mean, that's part of the the story of the discussion. And it was always this, there was there was as far as I knew years ago, there was discussion of the teams. And I don't I don't know about the Illini as much. Teams going to local and regional um, 
you know, heads of, 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 of Native American people saying, what, what do we do here? What do you, what do you think? Yeah. And again, it was not like the Washington football team. It wasn't. And so I, I, don't, I don't know where it's going. I don't. Okay. But, it's, but, but, but with, the, with the Cleveland baseball team, again, there didn't seem to be overt pressure that was being exerted, and they just said, we're, we're, we're done with this. We're, and so I was like, wow. Good yeah. Thing. Yeah, I think it's a pretty big story. I really do. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I do. Uh, let me get to, uh, since I mentioned the, the Illini, uh, you're always afraid of that game. You always tell me, no, no, Illinois can beat us. Illinois can beat us. Big game for yeah. Illinois. Well, it's a big game for Northwestern, too, and Northwestern won the game. You're, in, yeah. you're, you're going to the Big Ten Championship. You are. Yeah, we are. Saturday afternoon in Indianapolis against Ohio State. And uh, it's the second time in, in, in three years. Tony, one of the stunning things, look, for us, this is an enormous, us, Northwestern, an enormous, enormous deal. Because, we, first of all, we, had, we were the only school of the, you know, original 10, I think, that had not been, maybe, no, maybe we, no, there's, there's, I mean, there's got to be others. But we, we now are one of only four schools who have been multiple times. Four. So it's got to be, Ohio, I kept hearing this, Ohio State, not Michigan either. Michigan is not one of them. I think it's Michigan State, strangely enough, that's one of the four. And Penn State and Northwestern. It's like, how do we, it's an amazing thing. Um, it's an amazing thing. And I, look, I know, like Pat Fitzgerald said, we're going to be favored. You know, they're going to be favored. Ohio State will sure. be Sure, and they should be. It won't be, it won't be 70, but it'll be it will be double digits. It might be as much as 15 or 16. I haven't seen a lot. Um, but we're in this game. And it's a weird year, yeah. But we're in this game the year after going 1-8 and eight in conference. And so we, we, we beat some teams, and we beat Wisconsin. We, you know, we won at Purdue. We, you know, we, we won some games that we beat Nebraska again. It was, we just go, wow. Um, and of course, you know, it just sort of sticks out there. What if we beat Michigan State and were undefeated going into this thing? I don't know. So but, I know uh, that I know you like Dabo Sweeney. I know you like him personally because you came back and told me you went to some basketball okay. games with him and you like him. He says Ohio State really shouldn't be in the college football playoffs. How do you feel about that? He says well, they haven't played I, enough I was games. Reading last night, I, 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 didn't, I don't think he said that. I think what he said is, don't tell us that. You know, somebody else doesn't belong or has to be presented this way when there are teams that have played six, five, or six or seven games who are who are who are said to be okay with this. I mean, so I, I went back and I read that last night, and I, I didn't. From what I read, he he didn't really say that specifically, but he just he wanted to give he wanted the, the programs who had played eight, nine, ten games to have more credit. I'm fine with that. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. Um, he's not, not. going to determine what happens in the no, conference. No, he's not. He's not. So let's get let's get to the Bears. You had lost six straight. Offensive explosion yesterday. Um, is is all right with the Bears, or do you just think no? Don't even pay attention to this. Stop. This well, is a problem. Well, the problem is Tony that <laughs> the, the the bar is so low for the Bears internally relative to other franchises, almost any other franchise, and particularly big ones in major markets. The, the, the Bears winning yesterday makes people back there who are involved, who run the Bears perhaps say, 
oh wow, we could we could you know look pretty good here. We'll just we'll we'll, we'll just keep going like we're going. We'll stay on this path. There's no they're not they're not upset and angry like the fan base is. So winning this game matters to them. It doesn't matter to me. As a matter of fact, what it does is it underscores it underscores how incompetent Matt Nagy is. Because if if you can put together that game plan yesterday for that kid, for Mitch Trubisky, if you can put that game plan together for him now that your job is on the line, why can't you do it anyway? Why can't you coach him like it matters to you? It makes me angrier at him. It makes me see him as a bigger incompetent. <laughs> and it, it makes the indictment against him even greater. So you can design these rollout plays and, he, and, and all the things that he wanted to do and that everybody knew was necessary for him to do, to be potentially successful. That was on display yesterday. But it took you a six-game losing streak, a change of quarterbacks twice, it took you that to figure it out. That makes that makes it almost personal. My dislike for that coach. Okay, so we will move off that and get to some other headlines in in the NFL. I, I mean, I think probably the overarching headline is Buffalo beating Pittsburgh, but I think Jalen Hurts' performance at Philadelphia is certainly important. Let's start with Buffalo. It's a team that I have reluctance saying is a really good team, but they just beat, you know, in, in bad conditions, they beat a team that's also used to bad conditions, a team that was 11-0 and at one point and has now lost two in a row and looked bad in winning one of those. But the Pittsburgh Steelers are a legitimate team, and Buffalo beat them and beat them soundly. What does this say about yeah. Buffalo? Well, I, I think Buffalo's pretty damn good. Um, I, I think Buffalo look better. Not just beat them. They just look like a better team last yeah. night than the Steelers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if they're the second best team in the AFC or not to Kansas City. I, I don't know how that shakes out at this point. And you, you, you got, we got three more weeks. You got to see. They've got to be played. People get better. People practice. People reset. Um, and, I, you know, Buffalo's an interesting team. Look, I covered the league. I covered the NFL when Buffalo was great. When they got to those four World Series, I spent a whole lot of time watching the game last night and watching the conditions, which, of course, that's a walk in the park in Buffalo. If people think yeah. that was bad. No. Uh, and no. Matthew said to me, Dad, how often have you been to Buffalo for a game in this kind of weather? I'm like, dude, I, I, I said, this is nothing. I've, I don't think I've ever been to Buffalo in December, which I've been to about 20 times in the years I was covering the NFL for the Washington Post where there wasn't snow piled to the heavens. That was nothing. That was a sprinkling. And Buffalo knows how to play in that. You're right, so does Pittsburgh. But, yep. but you know, the love affair with, between Buffalo and the Bills is an amazing thing. I mean, I've been in Buffalo, Tony, with the Jim Kelly, Marv Levy, Thurman Thomas, Bruce Smith, you know, Buffalo Bills that went to those, those, those Super Bowls. And when the Buffalo Bills are going well and you land in Buffalo and they're about to play a big game in the AFC against somebody like the Steelers, man, that place just, wow. It was just throbbing. It was, you know, it was amazing to be there and how it felt. And so I know that feeling. And, and you, you couldn't get that in the stadium because nobody can be there. But to, and to have a quarterback that they love, they love this guy. They love him sort of like they love Jim Kelly. 
And so it was interesting to hear all that last night and to, to, to know what it, what it feels like. And I, I sort of, you know, I, 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 was, I sort of rooted for them last night to win that game. I picked them to win that game in my pool. So I don't, I don't, I don't know how good. How, it's, it's about Kansas City in the AFC. Who sure. can beat they're the best team. Kansas City? That's it. No, they're the, they're the best team. Yeah. Kansas but City's Buffalo the best team. but be the number two team, right? Buffalo had spent a long time not in the playoffs, a long time, and then got in and once and then missed, you know. And the guy who coaches them, who I want to think is a dope because he just looks like a muscle-bound guy, but he must be good. He must be good. Let's go to Philadelphia where I don't think, barring injury, with three games left, I don't think Carson Wentz sees the field at all in those last three. And Jalen Hurts, that's his team now. What I still, I am not sure that he has an NFL arm. I'm not, but I am sure that when he was in college, he won all the games, you know, at two different schools. At two different schools, this guy was really good. So what do you make of that and Carson Wentz's future? I think that that will be wildly overstated today. Everything about Jalen Hurts will be wildly overstated. He, he won a good game. He did a great job. He did. He did. Good he did. for him. Good for him. He, I mean, they beat the Saints who, you know, I guess I would have made the case going even in the game, during the game yesterday, that they're the second best team. In the, in the, I, 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 no, I, they could, you can make the case of the best team in the NFC, not second. Mm-hmm. The best. Sure. sure. And I don't know that this, this doesn't necessarily derail that. Again, everything about that game will be overstated today. People will find flaws with New Orleans that probably won't matter in a week. They'll say things about Jalen Hurts that, you know, turn him into Joe Montana, which is no, he's, stupid. Yeah, no, but he's going to get that job. That's, that's how the NFL is covered now. And that's what happens in a, in a big market like Philly. They'll overstate everything. I mean, they in Philly, I mean, everybody looking in from the outside will overstate it. Well, he will I, keep I the, the – I mean, you have, to, you have to ask yourself – what about Carson Wentz and all this money we put into Carson uh, yeah, Wentz? Yeah, I mean, but it doesn't mean – yeah, yes. Look, you know my feeling about Carson Wentz. For three do. years, you know my feeling about Carson Wentz. So this is not new to me. And it's not based on one week or three weeks or five weeks. It's based on the fact that Carson Wentz doesn't look to be he's – like, he's like 80%. Not 80%. He's like 60% of the quarterbacks out there. He's okay. He's okay sometimes. People, if he plays like this every week, yeah, well, yeah, but no, no, nobody does. Nobody plays to. like this every week. Well, somebody right. does, but not him. Well, Brady did. Brady did. Okay, but that, then, right. that's, then that's even that's not even. It's a high standard. Of those right. guys left, I mean, it's a high Brady, standard. You yeah. know, it's the Mahomes. It's 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 you know. So I I I think everything will be overstated. I think it'll be the most overblown story of the day. Uh, Jalen Hurts deserves a golf clap. And go back to work, and let's see if you can play in this league. Okay, and then the um, Eagles have to figure out what to do with Carson Wentz. I, I don't think Carson Wentz is any good in terms of leading a team year after year and being a starting quarterback. I don't. Uh, I mentioned Brady; that was a big win for them. I didn't mention Rodgers. Rodgers, to me, is the MVP at the moment. Rodgers played great. That's a nice win. A division rival. Not a good team, mm-hmm. but a division rival. But let us settle on something that we wouldn't have talked about normally at all, all year. The Washington football team, wow. which suddenly looks pretty good, particularly yeah. on defense. Yeah. Particularly. You know, Tony, it goes back to that thing. This is what people don't acknowledge anymore. And, and you know, we, even mainstream media, much less these, you know, alternative media platforms, we in media, all of it, 
we, we cover the NFL so poorly because there's no, no one is being discerning. No one is looking at it saying, okay, this is a 16-game season. They're going to be ebb and flow. How do, we, how do we cover this? What do we say about this team today? Because they lost. What do we say? What do we judge? And it's just wild, just back and forth. It's just stupid. And so, you, you know, there's that phrase that I used to love from old coaches, and I know you know it. And we heard it in football. We heard it in basketball. You heard it from managers when you and I would go in the office you know, at the, at the end of a press conference sort of situation, and you're just in there with the manager and his skivvies and he's eating that buffet, you know, and you listen to, you know, Lasorda and whoever you listen to. And they would say, son, sometimes you just got to keep playing. Just keep playing. And I remember John Thompson telling me that. He put his hand on my shoulder, and I would be completely, you know, flushed about some win or some loss. And it was in, you know, early January. And Big John would say, son, I told the guys, just keep playing. Just keep doing that. And that's what this reminds me of, with the whole division. I mean, I know the Giants lost yesterday, the, 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 but the, the Cowboys won. The Eagles, and the Eagles won. won. Three of the four teams won. Yep. It, it, so does it mean that one of them is going to become, you know, from you know, the example of my life, the 85 Bears? No, not this season. No. But just keep playing. And Ron Rivera understood that. And he's like, well, I got a quarterback that I'm not sure wants to do this to the level that I want him to study and work and prepare and keep playing, son. He don't want to do that, so we're going to sit him. And it's just, it's just a lesson about sports that no one will pay attention to, not even in this town. They're not going to pay attention because they're, they're not going to get what's going on there. And there's, there's practice and study and work and patience and impatience, and there are things that go on with these teams in a season that are subtle. And no one wants to recognize subtlety or nuance. They just, you know, want to wave the big foam finger and say, yeah, we're number one. Well, they're not number one, but they're, they're damn good because somebody kept them playing. And they're good right now. They're, they can get in the playoffs and beat a team. No one in the NFC is, is so good that the Washington football team couldn't win a game with them. No, there's no Kansas City in that league. No, they're in the other no, league. So, so not, just getting yep. in the playoffs – so if they're six and seven, and people were saying, you know, the winner's going to be six and ten. No, no, I thought not. that. No, no, they're not. No, they're I thought not. they'd be six and ten. And That's gonna, right. They can win a game. They can win a game in January. They can. Good for them. All right. All right. I will see you later. Thank you. Sounds good, Tom. Thanks. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls. We will come back with Pat Forty of Sports Illustrated, and I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Indochino ad. The end of the year is the perfect time to revamp your wardrobe with Indochino perfectly fitted custom clothes are more affordable than you might think. And for your stylish friend, pick up a gift card for a present you won't need to keep a gift receipt for. New year, new you. Calls for a wardrobe that fits you perfectly. Indochino is here to help you start 2021 with made-to-measure custom clothing at a more affordable price. Nigel, take over because you have three of these. Yes, I have three because, and I keep buying them because the, the fantastic suits, they make you look great. I mean, honestly, do you want to, when you go out and you're wearing a suit, you want to look great or do you want to look like a schlub? If you want to look great, you'll get Indochino. They tailor it to you, you can design the suit, how you want it, the lapels, you want monograms, however you want it, you control all of that. And it's incredibly affordable. And as I said, the most important thing is you will look fantastic when you're wearing one of these suits. Indochino offers completely custom fitted suits, coats, and casual wear at surprisingly affordable prices. 
Customize everything, as Nigel said, from the fabric and lining to the lapel shape and monogram. The choice is yours. And since your order is made to your exact measurements, each piece will fit you and your style perfectly. The best part is that Indochino suits start at just $299 with all customization included. Book a virtual appointment and shop online at Indochino.com. And right now you will get $30 off any purchase of $399 or more when you enter the code TONYK at checkout. That's $30 off a purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com, I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O, Indochino.com, promo code Tony K. And as we always say, use the code, people. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a band called Airport Sushi, sent to us by Jeff Himmelrich who says, I love the show. Thanks for all you do to support independent music. This is my music. I call it Airport Sushi because of a funny story about how my girlfriend ate Airport Sushi from a vending machine in Phoenix and got violently ill on the plane. Long story, very funny. This is a new single I'm early releasing. I have a full-length album already available on streaming services. Services. My site is www.airportsushi.com. Nigel, if people like Jeff... And Don Stewart want to send us their original music. How do they do it? Please send it to us at jingles at tonycornagershow.com. Uh, we ask that you be the artist. Don't send it like, oh, hey, Paul McCartney's great. Let me send you some Beatles songs. No, it actually has to come from the artist or get their permission. But send us, send us uh, your independent music. We'd love to play it, and it's always fantastic. All right, here we go. Pat Forty from Sports Illustrated joins us. And I had a bunch of questions, but none of them to me, none of them to me starts with the news out of Auburn. Like Gus Malzahn, who in his first year at Auburn went to the national championship game and lost to Jameis Winston. Auburn does that. They fired Malzahn. They do this. They fired Gene Chizik. He won the national championship, and they fired him about two years later. To explain Auburn to me, can you, Pat? No. Auburn's <laughs> inexplicable. I mean, it always has been. It is, it's completely own entity. Even in the mercenary, you know, just-win-baby world of college sports, Auburn is an outlier. Uh, they do not care what you think. They don't care what I think. They're going to do what they want to do. It's a very booster-driven place. And in the middle of a pandemic at a school that in June said that they had lost about $27 million, they're ponying up $21 million to get to rid pay of a coach who has won – double as many games as he's lost it's it's it, 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 like i look at this and i go my god how can any but why would anybody take a job at auburn when this is what lies in wait for you no patience whatsoever or are you going to tell me malzahn isn't any good and chiswick wasn't any good maybe that's true no, well you know no i think malzahn is good and i think if you go 68 and 35 at auburn you're doing a pretty good job tough schedule uh, three and yeah, he's three and five against Nick Saban. That's pretty good. You're not going to find any. Or sorry, yeah, three and five. You're not going to find many coaches with the record that good against Nick Saban. Uh, yeah, the problem. You're in a league that even when when Auburn's maximizing, it's you know the way if everybody are ma is maximizing, it's probably the fifth best program behind Alabama, uh, Georgia, Florida, LSU, and Texas A&M. When Texas A&M has it going right. So you're after those that group. but So it's a good job, but it's still not the easiest job in the world. 
but Malzahn did a did a good job. He just he he had kind of reached a plateau, and this is a place where they don't really tolerate plateaus. They do things about it. I mean, if you remember, not only then now Chizik really caught lightning in a bottle with Cam Newton, and yeah. then two years later it fell apart. But they tried to get rid of Tommy Tuberville behind his back in 2003 by sending the booster jet to go get Bobby Petrino before the Iron Bowl had even been played. So this is a place, like I said, they don't care. You know, they're going to do what they want to do, and they're really not worried about outside perception. Tommy Tuberville got his revenge. He's a senator now. He can cut off all the funds to Auburn if he wants. <laughs> right? I mean, he can do what he wants. Um, let me stay with football. Florida loses to LSU. That surprised me. And the way they lost, this kid throwing the shoe, putting the, putting the other team in position, LSU, to kick a field goal and win the game. What happens to that kid and what happens to Florida? Yeah, the poor kid. I mean, so there, there are a million ways to miss out on a college football playoff bit. Now there's a million to one because nobody yeah. could have seen this one coming. I mean, it's just crazy. And this college sports, I mean, crazy stuff happens. College-age males don't have great impulse control. They do stupid things, whether you're an athlete or not. And all of a sudden, you end up with a guy's shoe in your hand at the end of a big play, and you just decide to hurl it down the field. And all of a sudden, your playoff chances are gone. I mean, it's just unbelievable. I feel bad for Marco Wilson. Incredibly stupid play. You can't excuse it. You can't condone it. But you don't need to you know, hang him because of it. So hopefully he goes on to bigger and better things. But... You know, between that and Dan Mullen, you know, was pretty classless afterwards, whining. As he, he's had a bad year. I don't think, you know, Tony, you see some people who just have kind of lost their mind in 2020. And like, what, what is wrong with them? Is the pandemic just getting to them or what? And I put Dan Mullen in that category because he's a smart guy, and he just keeps saying and doing stupid things. And afterwards, he's basically whining that, you know, in other leagues, you don't have to play this many games. So I guess that's what we should have done. And it's like. Come on, Dan. You're making excuses after you lost to a 24-point underdog. Absolutely. And by the way, and lost to a Brad Johnson's son, right? Yeah. The quarterback yeah. is Brad Johnson's son at LSU. Yeah, yeah, he sure looked good as a freshman. Smart kid. Uh, played very well in a, in a huge spot, and I, I believe it was his first start. Yeah. Let me get to another coach who said something. Now, I just talked to Wilbon about this, and Wilbon said if you read it very specifically, it's not as damning as if you heard about it. And this is Dabo Sweeney, who I thought basically said, Ohio State, get out of here. They've played five games. They shouldn't be in the college playoff. And Mike said it's much more nuanced than that, and he was just sticking up for his own conference. What is your position on what Dabo Sweeney said? Well, yeah, and this is, yes, this is a guy who has popped off plenty in 2020 himself. Yep. yep. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't take a huge amount of umbrage at it. I, this is the kind of politicking and posturing you get into uh, at this point in the season unless you're assured of a bit. Like, you're not hearing much out of Nick Saban because it really doesn't matter. They're going to make it. Notre Dame is all but assured of making it. They just need to avoid getting just trucked by Clemson. Clemson's right. on the bubble. Like, if they lose, they would still like to go. And so if you're in that position, you're going to start looking around saying, okay, who's the competition? Well, let's poke some holes in Ohio State. Uh, and they're not alone on that. There's a lot of people around college football that don't like the idea of Ohio State being 6-0 and and making the playoff. And one of the things they point to 
look what happened to Florida against LSU. You play enough games, you're going to run into trouble. They just haven't played enough games. So that sentiment is out there. And if you are one of those teams, you know, you'll hear from Jimbo Fisher, I guarantee it, in the coming days, where you start hearing the politicking from those schools that are trying to make their playoff case. Well, I think if you have, I mean, in Clemson's case, if they win, they're in. And if they lose and they have two losses, they shouldn't be in, especially losing to the same team twice, they shouldn't be in. But let me let me ask you, if, if I'm satisfied that those four teams at the top are the four teams at the top, I'm satisfied with that. But then I just saw something this morning on ESPN, a predicting service that said USC. Are you kidding me? USC from that awful conference is now 50% to get into the playoffs. Can this be true? The the ESPN probability percentages are the biggest load of funk. I mean, it's like Bitcoin. I mean, don't believe what you're hearing. It is. That makes no sense. They're 15th. In the playoff rankings, we'll see. They'll move up after last week, but this again, they score with 16 seconds left to beat yeah. a three and two UCLA team. They haven't done that. They haven't beaten anybody. You know, the three of their five wins have come in the last minute. They've been very lucky. Uh, you know, again, they'll move up, but I see no realistic way USC is getting in out of that conference with what would be what a six and zero record if they play all their games. If they play the championship game. Okay, good, because that makes me feel a little bit better. And now let me get to the thing that, uh, unlike me, I tend to skewer people with one line, but I ranted at this guy, Nate Oates. I mean, I did. I got on TV on Friday, and I just went off saying that if I were Mike Krzyzewski and I would do a variety of things, including schedule uh, Nate Oates' high school, Romulus High School, in in Michigan and try to beat them by 200 points. I just went nuts. I went nuts. I said, "Oh yeah, the Wisconsin White Whitewater, the Warhawks. Yeah, he was an assistant there. Let's try and beat them by 100. And then let's go to the high school where he coached, beat them by 200." Um, I took up for Mike. Uh, I've known Mike an awfully long time. Can he be pious? Sure. Uh, the fact that he lost a couple of games might that have an influence on in what he said? It, it might, but what he said I thought was legitimate anyway. What do you think about Mr. Oates and what he said about Krzyzewski and what sort of support is he receiving and or criticism from fellow coaches? Mr. Oates is an oaf. I mean, that was ridiculous. It was, it was, it was completely out of line. And, you know, you can have that opinion, but within the coaching fraternity, if you're going to wheel around and go after the guy that's won more games than anybody, you should have a little more standing than Nate Oates. Okay. Step back pipe down. That's my thought to him there. And yeah, I, I support Mike Krzyzewski. I thought it was a good move. Uh, you know, I, yeah, is it, if they were undefeated, would they be saying this? Maybe not. I don't know, but I do know having a college age athlete, it has been awful on campus. Okay. The life that they're living is no fun. It's depressing. Uh, they would love the chance to be able to get out of the small little gulag that they are in. And look, I, I know there are many worse circumstances, many, many, many worse circumstances in America. But being a college athlete right now is not very fun. And you are just basically expected to be there and produce, and especially in the revenue-producing sports, to produce TV inventory and to give them a chance to go home for a few days at Christmas and Okay, we, you can say, oh, 
for health reasons, you shouldn't be traveling. Fine. These are college children who should be able to have some time with their families. They didn't go home for Thanksgiving. They're not going to go home for Christmas? No. They give them a chance to be like the rest of the college students, the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of college students who went home at the holidays to see their families. So I support Mike Krzyzewski in this wholeheartedly. Nate Oates was so deliberate in going after him, too, and saying he's only doing this because he lost a couple of games. And you say to yourself, who exactly? How I know Mike's got five rings. Maybe I've lost count on how many oats he has, but I don't think he has any. Right? I, I think he won a Mid American Conference Championship, so therefore he's an expert on all things. I, wow, I, I think that's it. So deliberate. Um, do you think they'll pause the season, or do you think it'll just go on? I think it'll just go on like this. I do. Yeah, no, I think they'll grind on, and there'll continually be games postponed and canceled, and it's going to be a mess. And you know, I, I, the thing is, this goes back to in the summer what everybody said about football: said you do not want to start and then stop everything and then try to restart. So better, basically, from a from a logistical standpoint and a mentality standpoint, to just kind of keep plowing forward. You know, should they be playing at all? I don't know, but they are. And so I think the thought is, yeah, just keep going and we'll put piece this thing together as best we can. Thanks, Pat. Appreciate it. As always, talk to you soon. All right. Thank you, Tony. I had some good airport sushi in Detroit once, by the way. <laughs> good. Well, Detroit. Tony Reale had bad airport sushi in Pittsburgh that we've never let him live down. So it happens. But it's a good name for a band. Thank you, Pat. <laughs> thank you. Pat Forty, boys and girls, we'll take a break. We'll come back with email and a jingle. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The curators at Bespoke Post have done it again this winter with an all-new lineup of essential box of awesome collections for guys guaranteed to upgrade your life. Now, normally I go to Michael on this because Michael gets these boxes. I don't get these boxes. And I know that there are all sorts of things that you wouldn't necessarily consider buying for yourself that come in these boxes that when you get them, you go, wow, that's pretty cool. I never would have bought that. That's the greatest endorsement I can give is to say that Michael has come to me a number of times and said, I got this thing. I really like it. And I probably never would have bought it. Whether it's showcase pieces to level up your indoor hosting skills or cozy threads for those blustery days, Bespoke Post only sends guys the best stuff every month. No matter what you're into, Box of Awesome has you covered from style and grooming goods to barware to cooking tools and outdoor gear. Box of Awesome has collections for every part of your life. To get started, take the quiz at boxofawesome.com. Your answers will help them pick the right box of awesome for you. They release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories. It is free to sign up. You can skip a month. You can cancel any time. Each box costs only $45, but has over $70 worth of gear inside. And you can get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter the code TONY at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com, code TONY, for 20% off your first box and use the code, people. This, this is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. Here comes Tony's mailbag, got your email faxes and your notes. Here comes Tony's mailbag. Gonna read some for all you folks. Thank you, Gary. Hope to have Gary on the show soon. Bethesda Bagels. Why don't you do the ad, Nigel? 
Yes, thank you, Mr. Tony. Bethesda Bagels, we love them. You will as well. Uh, many locations in the D.C. area. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location nearest you and then stop in and you'll be pleased. We had the uh, the sausage sandwiches this morning. Happy. So, Happy. Yes, very well received. Yes. All right, I guess that's about it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say you walk into the room with your pencil in your hand. You see somebody yep. naked and you say, who's that man? You try so hard, but you don't understand just what you will say when you get home. Because something is happening here, but you don't know what it is, do you, Mr. Jones? That's Bob Dylan. And that was about a Time Magazine reporter who came to interview him. And <laughs> Dylan got real frosty about that. Thank you to our guests today, Michael Wilbon and Sports Illustrated's Pat Forty. Thank you to today's sponsors, Bespoke Post, Lincoln Financial, and Indochino. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio.com. If you get the show through iTunes, please leave us a review from Lance Morrison in Dinsmore, Saskatchewan in Canada. The connective tissue of the show has shown up north of the border, but unlike the coronavirus, it is bringing littles together. After you read my email on Monday's show, that's last Monday, I received multiple emails from friends and even one from a perfect stranger who reached out to me as a fellow little. He reached out and found out that I am a teacher which wildly shocked me when I found out that he is Dustin Duncan, the education minister for our Saskatchewan provincial government. He even told me a story about power outage at the provincial legislator where he yelled out, Nigel, reset the board. <laughs> the connective tissue of this show is incredible. Thank you, Mr. Tony. That is a just a brilliant email. Uh, from Aaron Hankin, I just wanted to share my winter weather forecast listening experience. I was on a regional flight in New Zealand, and after chuckling my way through what felt like the first 45 minutes, I burst into tears when Kevin said, Gene, you take great notes, but you don't pay attention. For the 15th year, I'll explain to you. My laughter then descended into tears as the forecast went on when the stranger next to me asked if I needed help. I said, no, I'm fine, but you wouldn't understand. Just trust me. These fits of laughter and tears continued to worsen to the point where the two or three rows either side of me were staring at me. I knew I just couldn't yell, it's Kevin Winter's forecast. Kevin's winter forecast because the odds of a fellow little being on a 40-seater plane in New Zealand was low. By this stage, I had to defuse the situation as Kevin bumbled his way forward, so I gathered myself, held up my phone, and I said, I just got some good news. Boy, was that a bad idea. People then started cheering and clapping, and I was in too deep to talk my way out of it. I had to come up with a lie. Suddenly, I remembered I did have good news. A few days ago, we found out we were having our first child, a girl, and I told the crowd this, adding I was a little emotional to explain away my hysterics. Fast forward half an hour when we're hopping off the plane and someone walked past and whispered to me, there's no Wi-Fi on the plane, knowing I couldn't have received messages. I gave him a wry smile while judging him inside. I thought to myself, screw him, he probably owns a Subaru. <laughs> anyway, thanks for the laughter over the years. It just That's just so nice. Uh, from Kevin Kosky, who emails us a lot from Northeast, had the podcast playing in the background as the dishes were being done the other day while Kevin's winter weather forecast was playing. My wife... What's this guy's deal? Me, oh, it's the guy who gives his annual winter forecast on Tony's show. Wife, what's he predicting? Me, 54 and a half inches. Wife, really? Wow. Me, yeah, I wouldn't put too much stock in it, though. He claimed we were getting about 60 inches last winter. Wife, after a long pause, pause. it uh, didn't snow last year. Me, yeah, he was only about 59 inches or so off. So it's worth keeping oh, yeah. an eye on it. Um, we're supposed to have snow here in Washington on Wednesday. Like yes. four inches of snow on Wednesday. Yeah, three inches. to five. We'll see. Yeah, it's just miserable. I don't want it. Carl and us, no. we go New York. The bright planet you see in the morning is Venus. You will see it ah. rise in the east shortly before the sun comes out. The brightest object in the night sky would be Jupiter in the west, just after sunset, and right next to it is Saturn. These planets are appearing to get closer 
together each night and this will culminate on December 21st, the first day of winter when the two are so close together they almost appear to be one giant star. While it is not a rare event for this to happen, since these two planets pass by each other once every 20 years, it is extremely rare for us to have a good view of the alignment without the sun getting in the way. The last time that a view like this occurred was the year 1226, even before you worked at Newsday. As always, any mention of the planets is brought to you by Uranus. When you're looking for the moon, pull out your binoculars, maybe you'll be able to see Uranus. From Bob DeFrates, I hope I pronounced that right, maybe DeFrates, Tucson, Arizona. I think you're seeing the planet Venus in the morning sky towards the east before sunrise. And although Venus does not have any rings, they say if you finish off a bottle of Johnny Walker Blue and peer at it through the empty bottle, you can see rings, stars, and planets of many shapes and colors and hear the angels sing and sail into the mystic. And from John Stadola from Gonzaga High School and Notre Dame University and Kathy Frankel of Niagara Falls High School, Catholic University and the Baltimore College of Dentistry, this year, you are getting an electronic holiday card instead of a COVID-infested paper card. And I save 55 cents in postage. Thanks for the good times. And they have a representation of what is my house, the little house, Rock Creek, and Chessie. Except the my house is much bigger than my house, and the little house is much bigger than the little house. From Mark Schwab in Brentwood, Tennessee. Last week, you read my much younger and much uglier brother's first email to the show. He wrote about Subaru's Saliza and my speech at his wedding. He forgot to tell you the most important part of his wedding. My speech killed. I mean killed. It also got me cut out of our dad's will. As one of many who are in quarantined isolation, I want to thank you, Michael and Nigel, for helping me stay sane. And from Tim Cree in Fort Collins, Colorado, you've taught us the proper way to loathe Subaru owners. Today I was behind a vehicle with a license plate frame that read, I love my Subaru. Now I'm torn. Should I despise them twice as much for doubling down, or do, do I grudgingly give them respect for sticking to their guns and vehicle of choice? Oh, Oracle, oh, messenger of wisdom, please deliver some information for life. Do I hate them more or less? I've always felt that fueling your life with rage and anger is good, so I would say more. And if you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. Come on now. That means everybody just cool out. <laughs> Will you cool out, everybody? Thanks, Mick.